Welcome to Obsessed Show, a podcast that is designed to inspire, featuring some of the most creative people in the world. I'm your host, Josh Miles. Hey guys, just a quick note to say this episode was recorded pre-COVID-19, so if there's anything that seems really out of place as you're listening back, that is why. So as you're staying home and listening to Obsessed Show, please stay safe and healthy. Let's talk about today's episode. Today on Obsessed Show, I'm chatting with co-founder and creative partner of Oh Hello Design Co., Sarah Seal. Sarah has over a decade of experience in creating and cultivating both boutique and large-scale brands. She's passionate about making strong, authentic voices heard from above the crowd and wants her work to empower others to pursue their biggest dreams. According to their website, Oh Hello's purpose is to reverse the negativity in the world and to remind you that you matter and what you have to contribute in this world is valuable. We're going to talk about Oh Hello's focus on their purpose and how they help women-owned small businesses. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Sarah Seal. Okay, kids, all the way from Northern Colorado, please welcome Sarah Seal. Sarah, welcome to Obsessed Show. Thanks, Josh. I'm so happy to be here. Well, hey, you're in Indianapolis transplant, my my backyard here. Are you used to um, like designing at elevation yet? <laughs> yes, I have adjusted in the last decade. It took a second though. You know, I've been in, out in Colorado a couple of times in the last year after really not having ever been there before. And the elevation doesn't bother me all that much except for those tricky things called stairs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just nothing, nothing knocks it out of me faster. But nope. hey, I, we didn't... We didn't schedule this just to talk about my elevation issues. Um, so I, I definitely want to talk more about Oh Hello and your unique purpose. But first, maybe you can tell our listeners one of my favorite uh, questions to ask our guests, which is, tell me your origin story. How did you get started in this world of design? Yeah, so it's it's kind of a long, it's a long story kind of, I guess. Um, I've moved around a lot in terms of um, agencies and shops that I've worked for. I started at Anderson University and mm. declared my major on a visit with no rhyme or reason really to why I declared <laughs> that major. Um, I, uh, so, so, and I stuck with it. So it's, it's kind of a random choice, uh, that turned out really well. Um, or, or well enough, I guess. Like, did you have um, like an art or design background or you just thought the word graphic design looked really good on the syllabus list? Oh man, wouldn't it be awesome if I was like, oh, this <laughs> just really got me. Um, I had had an art background and um, an art background as much as one can have in a small town um, high school with not a ton of art access. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I always loved art and I, I love to draw and I love to um, create things. I did a lot of collage when I was in high school. Um, mm. Very classic high school <laughs> um, collage art. Lots of happened. paste and glue sticks. Yeah, yeah, it was solid. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I fancied myself a creative as a young person and uh, thought, oh man, there's a there's a career for that that isn't um, just being a fine artist, which I which I didn't feel drawn to for whatever reason. Um, mm -hmm. Probably 
honestly, lack of talent <laughs> for that sort of thing. But, um, but yeah, so it was kind of a, a random thing. And they said, well, you can change it when you get here. It's no problem. You just have to declare something on your visit. We're going to take your picture. Um, yeah. And it stayed that way. I kept it. It just stuck. It did. It stuck. And, and the art department at Anderson, when I went was incredible. It was kind of a unique thing in the space. In my opinion, we just had some great people and some really engaged professors and, um, yeah, I just loved it. It was an awesome experience. Yeah. We've got a ton of great designers in Indy from, from that program. Yeah. Yeah. They were awesome. And, um, they've since gotten rid of it, which is tragic and horrible to me. Um, yeah, it's very sad. So, um, I loved what they were doing. Um, and it kind of launched me. I did an internship with lodge design, which at that time was in Irvington, which wasn't even a thing then. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, I laugh with, uh, my friend Leslie, because she's in Irvington now and it's very cool. It was not cool then. It was kind of <laughs> intimidating. It's kind of scary. <laughs> it was, it was. I was a junior in college and I was a little intimidated. Um, but I did that with Lodge Design um, and Eric Cass was the creative director then, there at that point. Um, and that was amazing. And, and I ended up working for him in, in real life, in my real career, I guess, later, mm-hmm. um, which was amazing. Um, And then after I graduated, I was hired by a firm called Foundry um, Mm, that was around for a while. A bunch of guys, uh, they're from Young and Laramore and maybe Bradley Montgomery. They'll be sad that I can't remember their their background. But um, they were awesome, great guys. It was definitely an advertising focus, um, which I didn't, I mean, ultimately, I didn't feel as drawn to as boutique design and branding. Mm-hmm. So I moved over and did some boutique branding with uh, Eric at Funnel and then and then leapt to Colorado. So I was about four, four years into my design career, I guess. I made the move to Colorado um, to Tenfold Collective, which was a boutique branding um, outfit. And it was uh, one of the creative partners there was Josh Emmerich, and he is back in the indie space now. Oh, yeah. Um, but he was the reason that I was, you know, connected to Colorado at all. Um, he actually sent Eric a message and said, Hey, do you know any designers that want to come out to Colorado? And he was like, actually my designer that I have right <laughs> now is in Colorado and she's been wanting to get back there for a while. So, um, that's how I ended up at tenfold actually that connection. Um, cause Josh had interned with lodge as well. Uh, the year, a couple of years before me, a year before me, two yeah. years, something like that. Um, and then I worked uh, here in Loveland at Tenfold. They were the reason I moved out here um, to this particular spot in Colorado. Um, I'm from Colorado orig- originally, but um, back to this space. And then uh, moved into a more in-house situation. Um, I worked for a, a te- like a literal tech company for half a second, like six months, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, um, moved over to a startup called CrowdScout. Um, and I was an in-house designer for them. And, um, during my time there, I made some connections with some of their clients, started doing a publication kind of on the side, um, like con- condoned on the side kind of work, um, mm-hmm. that was good for everybody. Um, and that we kind of built that up and then, 
um, that's kind of how Hello Waldo ended up arising. Um, and it kind of was at the same time that I was doing stuff for CrowdScout. Um, and then eventually I was there for about two years and then I transitioned away from that into doing uh, Hello Waldo full time. And then I did that on my own actually for a while. And then um, just recently in June, I brought on Celeste, who's amazing. Um, and we we created Oh Hello out of uh, Hello Waldo, <laughs> um, what Hello Waldo used to be. Um, so now Oh Hello, you have a very unique um, purpose and audience and target and all of that stuff. So talk me a little bit through the strategy of kind of who your, your target audience, your target client is. Yeah. So, um, it's, uh, the copy from our website is very idealistic um, about, <laughs> um, reversing the negativity of the world. But, um, on a, on a practical scale, I think that, um, we both um, had been discouraged, I think, by some of the things in our careers, um, especially in terms of kind of what we thought it would be versus what the reality of things was. And I think that every designer experiences that on some level, um, that disenchantment with what you can actually create and what you can actually do versus what you thought it was going to be. Um, and probably in any career you do a lot of that, but, um, we both dealt with that a lot just in the sense of, um, we don't feel like design is as purposeful or meaningful as we had hoped it would be. And we kind of uh, realized and decided together that that was on us, that we maybe weren't engaging um, the people or on the levels that we needed to, to feel that what we were doing was meaningful and important. So um, I think that when we, we were kind of searching for like a, a dream client or a target market. And we kind of kept coming back to this uh, female entrepreneur because we know what that is. And um, it's kind of always weird to, when you're not doing what you know. I don't know. Yeah. Doing work for a group or specializing in something that you have no idea what it's about. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I mean, I kind of had um, historically prided myself on the, I can design anything for anybody, right? Like I can mm-hmm. design brands and brochures and websites. And um, I was really proud of the fact that I didn't feel like I had a niche, but as we pressed into creating new business um, in the current environment, it, it really feels like a niche is is best because it's really hard to focus otherwise and you really don't yeah. know who you're talking to. And so um, as we experimented with, with ideas, we just kept coming back to, we know what to say to other women starting their own businesses because we are that. And so we just decided we should uh, press into what we knew and support the people that, you know, were probably very similar to ourselves um, in what they were going through and, and their passions and their struggles, um, were probably really similar. So, uh, we suddenly felt like we had a lot to say and like creating content for Instagram and creating content for the blog and creating content for the website didn't feel like a chore anymore. And so we kind of took that as an indication that that was the, the right direction for us. Yeah. And then your website just shows you and Celeste. So 
um, understand it's just the two of you running the the firm, the agency, whatever you get, the studio company. Yes. <laughs> I'll use I'll use all the synonyms and probably get it right. <laughs> um, so are you are the two of you intentionally keeping it small, or do you have plans for growth, or what? What's kind of your thought around the size that you are currently? Yeah, um, I love small. I've I've almost exclusively worked at really small um, studios and shops. So I really like the feeling of it. And now that things have really shifted into, um, a really collaborative space where people don't necessarily have to be at a brick and mortar, uh, studio altogether. There's not that overhead of the sort of typical agency that I kind of came up in. Mm-hmm. Um, we're excited about that lack of overhead and the freedom that it gives us to work with the people that we want to, to work on a leaner budget. Um, so yeah, the smallness and like the lack of a physical space. Cause I, uh, Celeste works from her home. She lives in Denver mm-hmm. um, and then works from a co-working space sometimes. And then I, I work from a co-working space here in, in Loveland. So um, that kind of lack of overhead, cause really there's, there's just not a lot, you know, there's our, there's us and computers and, um, some co-working space fees, but that's it. Um, we love keeping that overhead really small so that we can serve the people that we really want to. So yeah, it's, it's intentional. And I think that we would definitely be excited to grow in proportion to our client base, as long as we could keep, um, keep things affordable and keep things, uh, yeah, keep things affordable. That's important to us. So are you both um, designing full-time or, you know, do you have complementary skill sets? Are you kind of both similar in style or how, do, how does that work as a duo? Yeah, so um, I am a little older than Celeste or uh, uh, it feels like a lot older. <laughs> She's turning <laughs> um, and I'm going to be turning 37 in uh, March. But so when I came up, it was all really print heavy and really brand heavy. And I feel like my experience has been in, in print and branding. And she has had a different experience where her, her work experience is primarily digital. So she's fantastic at UI UX. She's amazing at web design, taking a brand and making it really come alive on the web, which is exceedingly difficult for me. Um, so I think we complement each other in a lot of ways, but I mean, she's been working on a brand this week, this week, sorry, she's been working on a brand this week and, uh, kicking ass at it too. So, um, we both kind of do a little bit of everything, but I would say at current, you know, I have that sort of print and branding background and she has a lot more of a digital background. So we, we do complement each other in that way. Um, it's been interesting as far as building business because neither one of us actually have a lot of experience in that realm. Um, so we're just kind of, um, taking it as it comes and and doing what we feel like we can do, um, and making the best decisions we can, uh, so far. But when it comes to all the other administrative stuff, I mean, how, how much of your day is spent in meetings or doing emails or, you know, putting together proposals or is it, do you find that you're able to focus most of your time in this remote situation where you're designing for most of the day? Mm, no, definitely not 
Yeah, definitely not designing most of the day. Anyway. <laughs> um, I know that happens to everybody as they like own their own business. Um, yeah, I definitely have days where I don't design anything, um, which is which is okay. I mean, I, I think that pressing into that relationship building is uh, pretty good for me. I'm not in the habit of doing a lot of that, and I think that it's a new, it's a good new habit to have, um, and a good it's good for me to operate in that way that I'm. A little uncomfortable with um but yeah we do end up doing a lot of proposals we've got we've gotten a software that helps us a ton um mm. with proposals and getting people scheduled and getting them their uh deposits paid it's um called honeybook so oh, i yeah. can't I've say enough that. about that <laughs> um i think originally they were going after like photographers but it mm-hmm. works great for design as well so nice. yeah i can't say enough about them but um, that's helped a lot, but yeah, we end up in quite a few meetings and, um, we're trying to divide and conquer that. But you know, when there's just two of us, um, often people will, will want to talk to us both, which is, uh, fine with us and totally valid, but we do end up, um, in, in quite a few meetings and, and doing a lot of proposals and lots of client interaction. So we've tried to keep like specific days for designing and delivering and then other days for admin. But I mean, that goes how it goes on any given day. Well, talking about proposals and, and all of the businessy stuff, um, you guys made an interesting choice to publish at least bundle pricing right there on your website. So if somebody wants to see what it costs to do those, I think there are three things on there, then those mm-hmm. are at least good examples of things with the price tag that's already done. Um, tell me about the strategy of putting the pricing out there publicly and if that has been a positive thing or a negative thing, or just because I I think most designers listening might be terrified to do that. You know, they're, they're scared to tell what their price is or to understand what their value is. And then on the flip side, um, a lot of them want to keep it really secret. So let's talk a little bit about that choice. Right. So um, I certainly respect the decision to keep it secret and I don't think I have a, an objective argument, but for us, um, it was very, very important in terms of our values to be totally transparent mm-hmm. about what this investment is for small businesses, because being small business owners ourselves, um, we have to be really careful about what we, where we choose to spend our money and where we choose to invest. Um, and it's not going to be great if somebody starts billing us for things that we didn't understand we were going to be billed for, or something ends up just being a lot more expensive than we expected. Um, that's just not something that we can manage as a business right now. And so we certainly don't want to, uh, do that to other people. And, um, transparency and pricing is something we feel really passionate about because it's kind of, um, anti-pretension if if that um, makes sense like we think that design is really important it can make a huge difference in especially in a in a a growing entrepreneurial business right or like you're you've just started out Um, it really can set you apart from other people and it really can tell a story that is meaningful to other people that will help uh, you know, your, your clients identify with you. And it, you know, we decided that if we really believe that, that it's important then to make that affordable and accessible to the people that we think should be entrepreneurs, the people that we believe in what they're doing. So 
for us and where we are, um, those price points broke down to, to what you see on the site. And we, we have three packages basically, I guess technically four. Um, and yeah, we say exactly what they cost and it's a flat rate and we don't bill hourly and you know, it's, it's pretty cut and dry. And, and we really, we really want it to be that way because we think that that's how people can make good decisions and know exactly what they're in for. Um, so is it more custom projects that you're doing these proposals for, or do you still do proposals for people who buy that package? Right. So we kind of send a proposal out that, um, it's called like a, a brochure, I guess. And they can mm -hmm. like select which package they actually are interested in and what they want. Um, so that's, that's part kind of the book too, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. It's so good. My um, sister's a photographer and uses that for her, for her billing software. So it's the first time I'd seen kind of the interface with that. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Um, and it's really design forward and, um, as you know, as much as anything that we've seen on the market that we can sort of um, universalize and, and do lots of without taking a ton of our time, we think it's great. Um, I'd like so to take this moment to say this episode is not sponsored by HoneyBook, but you know, if you want to sponsor us, HoneyBook, we're talking a lot about you, HoneyBooks. So. Are HoneyBook, you're great. Right. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's it's great because they can kind of select what they want, and um, that communication is kind of all there, and it makes it really easy. Um, and like I said, we're very clear on what the deliverables for each thing are, and we never want to uh, sell someone something they don't need. Um, thing that's always highly variable is web. So we don't really do oh, sure. exact pricing for that. We do like a massive crazy range, <laughs> um, but um, it just depends on what our clients uh, needs are. But, um, but yeah, we send out a proposal and people sort of select what, where they're comfortable and uh, we can be off to the races and we can take a deposit from there. And we have found that the, the super transparent, flat pricing is an incredible, uh, it's a positive thing for us in terms of customers because people know what they're in for and they can select it and they can move on and make a deposit and they can get it all done quickly and they can get things moving um, at a speed that feels good to them, especially if they're, if they're feeling behind, which entrepreneurs often are. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, it's been really positive in terms of our client base, just for people to to see exactly what it is and be really straightforward. And um, yeah, I think it feels good to them. Certainly the, the responses from different people in different industries have been different. Um, but for our clients, it seems positive and encouraging. So I know you said your, um, your passion is really in developing brands, especially for more boutique kind of companies and brands. Um, do you have anything in particular that is really, has been really fun to work on currently or types of projects that you get most excited about right now? Yeah. So, um, there was a project a little while back that's in our portfolio. It's called the Ainsley and it's a, it's a social club, like a, a new old kind of social club, mm. um, the way they kind of used to exist. And, um, the owner's concept was kind of to revitalize the concept in DC. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was super fun. That was a really sort of, um, boutique quirky thing that I hadn't done that style in a long time of sort of taking engravings and taking, uh, kind of pieces and parts of things, mm. uh, kind of almost 
like collage, um, which I did a lot of in, like I said, in high school. And then I actually continued to do it better in college, <laughs> a little better. Um, but kind of, it's kind of an assemblage of sorts. Um, and it's a little bit um, more decorative than a lot of our stuff. And that was really fun um, to get kind of back into an, an assembling of things as a brand um, and a curation almost rather mm -hmm. than, um, you know, designing from, from nothing. I mean, well, no one designs from nothing, but um, <laughs> you know, that kind of concept of, of coming up with something totally your own and, and whatever. I, I really like assembling things and seeing how they fit together and, and creating a new thing from stuff that already exists. So um, I have a scanned book of engravings. I know you can get them all over now, but I have mm -hmm. this, I have these books from when I was in college <laughs> and I have all these like scanned assets from, you know, 14 years ago mm. uh, that I still use. So all that stuff is from there. Cool. <laughs> a bunch of like her heraldry and um, weird animals and stuff. So the weird animals are really important to the whole engraving movement. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Strange, bizarre animals. Yes. Um, like a fox eating its own tail or something like that. Right. Um, yeah. Designers get really excited about that. <laughs> the random engraved animals. So yeah. you mentioned they're in DC and I should have asked you this earlier, but so with your kind of pricing out there on the web, I, I'm assuming your clients are kind of all over the place as opposed to concentrated around Denver. Yeah, they're, they're all over the place. Um, we have, we have some clients in Australia. We have clients that are local. We have clients, you know, yeah, on the, on the East coast. Um, we don't have anyone that's West coast right now. So I love mm. that, but <laughs> currently we don't have any of those. Um, but yeah, they, they are all over, um, which is exciting, um, and encouraging because, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to do something that's just local all the time. And that's, that's really the way that it, it was more when I first started, it was definitely starting to be a broader, uh, like the, the places you could get clients was definitely starting to be broader, but it was, mm -hmm. it was certainly still a local game. Um, so it's, it's great to work with people from all over and it's, it's nice. It makes things much easier, um, you know, to find that client that, uh, is a really good match and it makes a lot of sense for, you know, the way that you do business and the way they do business. And, um, yeah, it's, it's really nice to be able to expand that horizon a bit or, well, I guess almost, yeah, almost infinitely now. Um, yeah. so yeah. And we, you know, eventually we're like, man, we need to, we need to figure out a business trip to our, our Australian clients, <laughs> figure out how to, how to swing that one. That sounds like a really good idea. I've not been to Australia yet. I have not it's either. On the list, somewhere on the list. It's a long list. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm curious if you have any design heroes or, you know, anyone's currently or maybe some design heroes from back when you were getting started. Yeah, um, I do. I, um, I have some like historical ones. Um, I love Lance. Wyman. Is it Wyman hmm. or Wyman? I actually have I never known. I think it's known. Wyman. Wyman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love Lance Wyman um, primarily because he does things that I could, I don't feel like I could ever do. And it's just so amazing. Um, just the, the systems design and the wayfinding and um, the way that he thinks about 
a problem and the way he thinks about systems of design is just phenomenal to me. Um, And yeah, it's just, it's so beyond um, what I feel comfortable doing or what um, my experience is that it's just, it's always super impressive. And I mean, his style is just so awesome. I love that sort of um, like late sixties, early seventies, real flat. Like I just have always been super attracted to that. So, um, you know, on top of his sort of way of designing, his actual design is awesome. And then um, I have always been a huge Brent Couchman fan. and he, I think, is still the um, creative partner at Moniker San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, and he worked at uh, Fossil for a long time before he started his own thing. Um, and he's just, he's a great example of being a phenomenal designer who doesn't uh, compromise aesthetics, but also just a really nice, not pretentious, awesome human. So uh, he's always inspired me just in being like a, a person who was really down to earth and really connected to other people. And really, I don't know, he just always seemed really grateful to be uh, doing what he was doing and never had anything really negative to say about other designers and just like was doing his thing. And I always just, I respected that so much. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's great. And I, I love what he's doing aesthetically, like, you know, working for Herman Miller, like, not bad. <laughs> right. So, uh, so listeners, if you are new to the show, we will definitely be linking to all of these folks in the show notes. So you can head over to obsessedshow.com to find all of those references that we talk about today. Uh, maybe shifting gears a little bit, tell us about one of your proudest professional moments. Oh man. Um, Gosh. I mean, I think to date, certainly uh, taking the step to go in this direction of female-led business was a really, really big and important one, um, especially for me, certainly for Celeste too. Um, But it's interesting because when I was sort of coming up in design, I have always worked with primarily men and all of my creative directors have been men and they've been awesome and so um, inspiring and influential. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, I didn't have a lot of that sort of female um, influence or examples of women in design. And certainly there are some very, very famous ones, but personally um, I didn't have a ton of experience with that. And I didn't feel um, as connected to that as I would have liked to. Um, and I didn't really feel like I had someone that was a mentor to me who, um, you know, was a woman and fully understood, um, the whole, the whole project of being a a female entrepreneur or a female designer. Um, and, and so I, I really felt like it was important to, to participate and, and do that and be that, um, if I could, um, and being an encouraging uh, person to, to women who are, are getting into things. And I mean, I was, I was and am so intimidated (laughs) every day. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so I think that, I think I'm, I'm the most proud of moving in that direction, even though I felt like I might take criticism and I was, um, honestly really worried about, um, 
being taken as seriously as I had been. Um, because, you know, whenever you go into a niche market, I think maybe people are like, well, they're, they're good designers for that or this or that or whatever. Um, so, so I think that it took a lot of, for me personally, it took a lot of courage to say like, no, this is what I want to do. This is who I want to speak to and sort of lend a voice to. So I think I'm most proud of that. Certainly there have been other times where I was, I was super stoked, but I, I think that moving in that direction is probably the thing I'm most proud of. Do you have any specific, um, like favorite resources or podcasts or figures that you paid attention to, you know, especially thinking about other young women who are considering launching a business or creating a product or, you know, creating their own design studio, um, any other podcasts or books or people or, uh, any places that you'd suggest people start? Um, well, I mean, for me, Celeste always laughs at me because I don't, I don't listen or consume much content on like how to be an entrepreneur or start a business, (laughs) um, (laughs) or be doing this the right way. Um, but, and I, I have always taken my inspiration, I think aesthetic inspiration more from outside design than inside design. Mm, Um, that's interesting. I, I've, I found myself drawn to photographers, um, a huge amount of the time. And, um, Sally Mann is someone that I love as a photographer. And I think she's super inspiring the way that she talks about her work and, um, her, her work itself is amazing and stunning. I've always been interested in how photographers kind of put a frame on something or a moment or, or see the world and the way they choose to edit. Um, Mm, I feel like it's really similar to design, like the things that you choose to focus on. Um, so, I mean, that's not like really a, a suggestion for a wider group of people, but I, I think designers can benefit from looking at photographers like in a huge way. And, you know, Diane Arbus and like Robert Maplethorpe from, you know, going back to design school days, um, Mm -hmm. just super, super inspirational to me, the way that they thought of, of things. And then fashion designers are actually really inspirational to me. Um, I think, uh, Virgil Abloh, I think I'm saying his name right. I never quite know. Um, he did this great thing called Off-White. Um, and then Alexander McQueen is like a, always a huge inspiration to me. Um, but yeah, I personally tend to look at things outside of design because I feel like I get, um, I feel like I get saturated and um, kind of, I, I guess I just don't feel inspired by like design on design on design, um, like graphic design on design. Um, so you're not just camped out on dribble all day? No, I haven't been on dribble forever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I like really I, understand. I feel dribble. similarly about that. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I just, um, I don't think design is quite the same type of fine art form as, as some of these other things, but I do think they can, they can speak to each other. And I've personally taken a lot of inspiration from, from the way that other people thought about what they were doing and um, then executed whatever medium they were using um, based on how they thought about something. So I don't know, I, I guess that I would say like finding someone that you align with the way that they think about 
something, the way that they pursue it is probably the most important thing. Well, maybe, um, maybe more broadly than that, do you have a favorite piece of advice that you've received or maybe like a, a saying or advice that, that you and Celeste uh, give to each other as encouragement or to your clients? Any, any, uh, any particular words that are helpful? Yeah. So I was thinking about this um, and I feel like um, my first sort of three, I guess there were, there were more than three individual creative directors. My first three jobs, um, I was so privileged to have amazing, amazing creative directors. And I feel like they all had like kind of a particular, maybe not like one saying, but like kind of a way that I interpreted that they operated. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I was at Foundry, I was like right out of school and I was, you know, super passionate and I took myself really seriously. (laughs) And um, (laughs) they were so good about teaching me that you have to take yourself seriously, but also don't Mm -hmm. like, it's all funny. It's all fine. Um, Creativity should be fun. It should be enjoyable. And, and we were always having, Um, the best laughs. There are so many inside jokes that remain with me to this day. Um, And that was, that was super important and encouraging for me because I don't know that the joy kind of gets lost when you think everything is so serious and so very important all the time. Um, You kind of forget to have fun and and be light about things, um, which is super, super important. Um, And then when I was at Funnel, this isn't certainly, none of these are direct quotes. So sorry right. anyone if they're like very off base. Um, but um, Eric Cass used to talk about um, not being overly interested in um, talent or fame or any of these things. He used to always say like, there are people who are way more talented than me. Um, but I feel like I care more than anybody. And Mm. Celeste and I have kind of adopted this mantra of out care everyone. And it really comes from that. Um, Because, you know, it's, it's really nice to make beautiful things and it really helps people and it's really important. But at the end of the day, um, that human connection of caring about each other and, and supporting each other and lifting each other up is, is really what it's about. And this is our particular way of doing that. Um, but yeah, really caring about what you do, really caring about the people that you do it for um, is really, really important to us. Um, and then from Josh, when I was at Tenfold, he really, he really taught me to make mistakes really fast <laughs> and to not be <laughs> precious about things. Yeah. Um, he always used to say, if you have a logo idea and you work on it for an hour in the computer and it's not coming together, it's not a good idea. <laughs> right. And I, I stick to that to this day, like practically. Um, and, and I love that he, he was very into not being precious about ideas and moving quickly and, um, just getting a lot of ideas out there and, and not being sensitive and just moving through stuff, which I have found incredibly valuable in my career. So, I mean, I think those are sort of the three main things that, that I've gotten from others that are really influential, like every day to me. So. Yeah, that's great. And we've had, um, 
Eric Cass on the show twice now. So we'll, yeah. we will listen, listen, we will link to <laughs> Eric's, <laughs> Eric's previous two episodes in the show notes as well. Um, what about um, maybe a dream project, anything that you want to do in the future or a type of client that you and Celeste haven't worked on yet? Oh gosh. Um, we work in such like a wide array of things. Um, I, I would love to work like just personally, I would love to work with an artist. I think, um, mm. I don't know exactly what that would even look like. I've never worked super closely with a fine artist, uh, to create something. I would love to create something kind of collaborative, um, with a fine artist in terms of their own brand. It seems like a really interesting and difficult project um, to help brand someone who is so, gosh, like so specifically themselves. And that's like yeah. their thing in the world. Um, you know, cause businesses have a, have a uh, mission statement or they have their values and they have their stuff, but it's, it's not exactly as personal always as, you know, someone in fine art might be. So I think, I think that'd be really interesting. I would love to do that. And it's something I've never done. Cool. Yeah. I love that. That was actually a tiny bit of what I did very early in my career. And then I got totally completely away from that, but that was, that was a really fun place to start. I think you did a lot of work in that space too, right? Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, Okay. So my, my favorite question of all questions, uh, we designers, we're a little obsessive about things on occasion. <laughs> so I'm curious what it is can be in life and design and whatever, but what is it that you find that you are most obsessed with right now? Um, so it's, it's funny. It's a, it's a kind of unintentional obsession. My son is six and he is I mean, and six-year-olds, I mean, designers are obsessed, but six-year-olds are like really obsessed. Um, like I, I, God, I wish I could give like the amount of attention and focus that he gives to things. Oh yeah. Um, but he is absolutely enamored with geography right mm. now, um, which is kind of random. Um, but he's been fascinated with states and maps and countries and the world in terms oh, that's of- cool. Yeah, it's it's been crazy and it's not literally ever been an interest of mine personally. Um but to kind of see it from his perspective, both I mean he he obsessively draws the United States and he draws them from like draws it from memory oh, cool. and it's insane and crazy and awesome. Um but just to kind of get into that like sort of typographic uh side of geography where like these States are awesome shapes and then maps themselves are incredible and amazing. And, um, these really different examples of how to communicate visually, um, this massive amount of information. Um, I've just really gotten back into the, like this minutia and all this hand done stuff. He has this great vintage, uh, map of the United States on his wall. Um, I actually got in Indianapolis, uh, mm. uh, what is it called? Society of Salvage? That- oh yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Think that's awesome. Anymore, but it's cool. Place. Um, yeah, it was a fantastic place. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, I'm now kind of obsessed with, with the visual aspects of 
geography. I still probably couldn't tell you where lots of things are in the world, but um, <laughs> he's always correcting me, which is cute. <laughs> and I just always believe him. I mean, he might be lying to me, which would be clever too, but. Well, that is the first time we have gotten geography as far what someone <laughs> is most obsessed with right now. Maybe hand-drawn maps is maybe more specific, but um, that's awesome. Um, well, Hey, before we let you go, I've got just a couple of questions left here. Sure. Um, I'm curious if you have anything you'd like to encourage our listeners with, or any asks of our audience. Oh, um, oh man, I guess just my encouragement always, um, to myself and, uh, hopefully to Celeste and to the people that we work with, um, is just trust yourself and trust yourself to know what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and, and then do it. I know that that's, uh, maybe trite advice, but I, I have found it to be really true for myself. I, I delayed a long time years, um, being kind of afraid of the thing that I really felt, um, that I wanted to do and that I felt really empowered to do. Um, so yeah, yeah, just do it. If there's a thing that you feel like you should do or that you should be involved in, do that thing because you're just wasting time if you don't go do it. <laughs> Love it. Well, hey, before we actually let you go here, tell all of our listeners where they can find Oh Hello on the interwebs and, and track you down to connect online as well. Yeah, absolutely. I would love that. So we are ohellodesign.co, which we were very pleased with and thought we were very clever. It's <laughs> very clever. I like it. Um, but it can be a little hard to find because it's not a .com. But, um, and then we are um, at ohellodesign.co on Instagram. And that's primarily where we uh, operate in, in the social media space. We don't, we don't tweet much or, or, or Facebook much. So. Awesome. Well, we'll, we will uh, also link to all of those things and all the, all the socials for you. So we'll have that in the show notes. So Sarah, it was a pleasure talking to you today. Yeah, it was a pleasure talking to you, Josh. Thanks so much. Yeah. Well, thanks for being on the show and thank you for being obsessed with design. Okay, kids, that's episode number 137 in the books. For all of today's show notes, head over to obsessedshow.com. And if you haven't already while you're there, add your email address to our newsletter. I'll update you on some of my favorite new episodes and some cool things I find in my daily obsessions. Of course, all the links are over at obsessedshow.com to all the places you can find this show, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Spotify. So no matter where you find your podcasts, chances are you can listen to Obsessed Show from there. Just head over to obsessedshow.com. The Obsessed Show is produced by yours truly, Josh Miles. To have me speak or MC at your next event, head over to joshmiles.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.